1: As we continue our series 2019 to Look Ahead, we're going to discuss the future of the Affordable Care Act. In the first couple of years of the Trump administration and a Republican-controlled Congress, the ACA was challenged on a variety of fronts. The tax bill, passed just over a year ago, removed the health insurance mandate. That led to the recent ruling by a federal judge in Texas that the ACA was unconstitutional. But a coalition of 17 Democratic state attorneys general are appealing that ruling, and the new Democratic-controlled House is looking at ways to protect the health care law. Polls are showing that a majority of people support the ACA and would prefer to have it tweaked rather than repealed. To take a look at where the ACA is headed in 2019, we are joined here in studio by Wharton Health Management Professor Mark Pauly, Drexel University Professor of Law and Professor of Health Management and Policy Rob Field, as well as Wharton, uh, Wharton School Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions Eric Clemens. Gentlemen, Happy New Year to you all. Great to have you all in here today. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, so, Eric, give us your, your thoughts on the ACA and, and where we kind of need to look and, and, and the potential of making change, or are we kind of stuck in a in a, in a mud hole here?
0: At the early in the Napoleonic Wars, uh, Britain was terrified that Napoleon would invade. And uh, the uh, Lord St. Vincent, the Lord of the Admiralty, said cheerfully, "I I do not say they cannot come. Uh, I merely say they cannot come by sea, and there was no alternative, so that was a very calm way of saying we're safe. Some problems are just over-constrained, and and healthcare is. So uh, I can't say what the future will be, I can only say what the the future won't be, and here are the constraints. If you want universal affordability, and you want no pre-existing conditions to be excluded, and you want a private insurance market to do this, there is no way to do it without an individual mandate, and there is no way to do it without federal subsidies. So when a market collapses, like Arizona insurance market collapses, uh, it didn't collapse because of the absence of the free market. It collapsed because the free market cannot provide affordable insurance in a state where everybody has the preexisting condition known as old age. Uh, it's just it's expensive. There's yeah. no way to provide affordable insurance for a state made up mostly of old people without federal subsidies. Similarly, you can't have a market for young people where they can opt in anytime they get they get sick but don't have to pay insurance where they're healthy. right You know, imagine I'm young and I have a pickup truck, and uh, every time I want to buy uh, groceries, it's thirty dollars no how no matter how much I buy, right. When I get hungry, I show up with a pickup truck. I buy a month's worth. When I'm not hungry, I don't show up. And I just keep showing up really expensive and show up only when I'm really expensive. So if I were to be, be asked what the future is, the future is either we will have a federal program that looks almost exactly like the Affordable Care Act uh, with some tweaking on how large the subsidies are some tweaking on how expensive the individual mandate is, or we will continue to have systems that collapse. There really is no third way. The problem isn't with the market. The problem is is with how crazily skewed the cost of healthcare is. And if you yep. can opt in only when you're expensive, the market will collapse.
2: Mark? Well, um, so I first take the politically correct position that I'm in favor of the Affordable Care Act, but it needs some tweaking. But the tweaking is exactly what Eric is talking about. I think the gaping wound in the Affordable Care Act at the moment is the combination of, um, of a rule that says insurers have to charge the same premium to everybody at a given age, regardless of their health, perceived health risk. Anybody can tell by looking at somebody's health records whether they're diabetic or not. Uh, uh, w- combining that with uh, uh, with uh, absence of an individual mandate, so uh, somebody's got to pay for the people who aren't paying uh, the, the cost of their care and the individual mandate was the device, which I favored actually, to keep some people uh, not really all that fair, young people or yeah. healthy people paying more than what they're going to get in order that uh, unhealthy people could pay less than what they're going to get. But with the with the individual mandate out uh, uh, and uh, the situation um, – uh, well, it's a little hard to say, it varies greatly across states, but in some states it's quite unstable, in others it's more stable. Uh, but it's a knife edge, I think, as i said here before. It's And it could it could collapse uh, like a house of cards fairly quickly. Uh, it all depends, of course, in the short run on what insurers guess that are in the individual market, what they guess is going to happen and how yeah. they set their premiums and whether they stay in or pull out. But it, it certainly is in a very delicate position. Uh, the the only good news is that so far it looks like the um, uh, rate of signups um, well it's certainly fallen but not by that much although the rate of new people signing up has fallen dramatically in the federal exchanges but that may be a temporary phenomenon and I'm actually looking to see whether the people who signed up. Will actually pay their premiums because that's a lot. That's where the rubber hits right. the road in terms of if you're a, if you're a uh, low risk person, and you see that this insurance is very expensive relative to what you're going to get. Well, it doesn't cost you much to sign up for it, but when you actually have to uh, write out the check or charge your credit card. Well, you may decide that uh, it's just not worth it, especially if there's n- nothing bad that happens to you when you make right. that decision.
3: Rob? So we've known since the A- uh, ACA was passed that it needed tweaking, uh, and our partisan atmosphere in Washington has stood in the way. Uh, I think with divided government, that's going to be con- continue to be the case. Uh Democrats will probably pass something in the House, uh, to add the tweaks perhaps along the lines that Eric was saying. Uh, the odds of it making through the Senate uh, with Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are, are pretty slim. Uh, I, I think the, the only hope for, for serious uh, tweaking uh, would be if uh, the Democrats pass something and no longer call it the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, Sure. Uh, and, yeah. and, and the Republicans can say, you see, uh, we, we've replaced it. Um, uh, because I think there's a lot of optics here, um, but but I wouldn't be putting my money on that happening. If,
1: if you call yeah. it Trump care, then it probably would pass. uh... It, 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 might. it or, might, or McConnell care.
0: I, right. I, I was actually thinking of calling it McCain care. Uh, oh, yeah, so I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I wrote an op-ed on this uh... called "Here We Go Again," and the idea is if you derive uh, affordable care from its basic principles you end up with something exactly like uh, Obamacare. And as you've just pointed out, you can't use the name, so you pick somebody who spanned the aisle, you call it McCain Care, and, and see if that gets through. In, in my new book uh, on, uh, on information uh, and the theory of information, I talk about why it's so difficult to come up with something that, that's called fair. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as economists, we can agree on what's efficient, we can agree on what market will survive and what kind of market will collapse. Right. But, a fair, but fair is really uh, a social issue. And at the moment, we are so dogmatic across party lines uh, about what fair means. Somebody will argue fair means no individual mandate. Somebody else will argue fair means no cross subsidies, and the market
1: collapses. So then I'll ask this question uh, to Mark and Rob, uh, playing off of that, is... Shouldn't we be able to have the expectation of fairness in, in, in our healthcare system? Uh, we absolutely should. And in a sense, that's what healthcare is all
3: about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not fair that some of us get sick and some of us stay healthy. Correct. Uh, so how do we mitigate that uh, in, in a way that's, that's fair to everyone financially uh, as well as in terms of their, their health and well-being? Uh, it, one person's fairness is another person's government overreach. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I think that's the, the hardest selling point. Uh, but, but, but I think what we really should be looking at uh, beyond what Congress uh, can or more likely can't do yeah. <laughs> is what's going to happen to the business side of this. Um, Now that we have these alternative plans, commonly referred to as junk plans, because they don't cover much, is that going to siphon off uh, a lot of the people from the exchanges? Uh, What's going to happen with Mm. the end of the individual mandate? Uh, Are a lot of uh, young, healthy people going to avoid coverage? And more importantly, what's that going to do the insurers? Uh, It looks like they've stuck with the market. Um, there There are more insurers in this year than in the past, and a lot of them have actually cut rates. Will that continue? continue uh, given the various assaults on on the ACA. Mark? Well I think for, uh, the actually the American Economics
2: Association is about to have its convention this weekend and occasionally that breaks into the news with our fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> so in defense of us, I think we can say that you know, if all if all of you people would just figure out what's fair, we could figure out a system that would be reasonably efficient and, and fair at the same time. But if you can't make up your mind, uh, you know, we don't have the uh, golden tablets that define fairness either. It is worth noting that if we were all of similar risk and we thought of buying insurance together. Uh, we would do that voluntarily if we're risk averse after the fact of course the people who were unlucky and got sick would get a lot more out of the insurance than the people who were unlucky and didn't get sick right <laughs> uh, and didn't get many money out of the insurance but before the fact everybody would agree voluntarily but when you go beyond that uh, risk averse uh, verse dr- risk aversion driven demand for insurance that's when you get in, in, in into controversy like people who, how much should a person pay who we know for sure or with high probability is likely to be really expensive relative to others somebody else is going to have to pay for that person and that's the part that's hard to get agreement on everybody would of course and I think this is what happened in the election everybody favored uh, coverage of pre-existing conditions but um, nobody favored what it would take to actually have to yeah, pay for that right. or maybe you know, nobody cared about the f- relatively small number of young healthy people who are actually being st- stuck with the bill So that how, under how, the ACA. How? But the, uh, on the political front, though, I think the most important thing to keep your eye on is, uh, at least for the next two years, uh, I, I don't think these big picture questions about fairness are going to—I um, uh, mean, they'll be expressed, of course, by politicians as platitudes, but I don't think they're going to—but what what is happening is a— um, is a, um, a, a a fairly what could turn out to be a fairly dramatic uh, revision of the way the individual market works as the Trump administration changes the rules about what other kinds of plans are able to be offered, uh, and what they have to cover, and how they can be uh, how their premiums can be set.
0: Eric? Yeah, years ago when Penn introduced the cafeteria plan, we could all buy whatever insurance mm-hmm. we wanted. I thought the kind thing to do. I was about 27 years old and in the kind of condition an athlete would have been in. I thought the thing to do would be to buy the max coverage and subsidize my old colleagues <laughs> and then they would do the same for me. Right. And I got a phone call from uh, the, the benefits office saying they were canceling my plan and I wanted to know why. And they said it was unsustainable and I wanted to know why. And the woman who called me said, well, there are only two kinds of applicants the uh, very, very old, very sick emeritus faculty, and you. <laughs> uh, so that told me something about our spirit of collegiality in a college. Yeah. If you think about collegiality, red state, blue state, uh, old, young, it completely falls apart.
1: Well, and, and realistically, you're talking about a a, a situation where people are not thinking as a group. They are thinking individually and are going to continue to think individually. And that's why we have, you know, in the current uh, in the current landscape, uh, maybe fewer, but still a lot of younger people that have decided, you know what, I'm going to forego the coverage because even if I get tabbed with the fine, when we had the individual mandate, it's going to be less.
0: About 15 years ago, I built some computer models. It was a grad student's uh, dissertation in which we... Uh Put in junk plans. You basically had junk plans and a whole continuum of real plans, and bit by bit, the uh, people who were expected to be healthy bought the junkier plans, and people who were expected to be sick bought the full cost plans. And the cost of the full plan, full coverage pa- plans, of course, skyrockets. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to need federal subsidies, which is of course unmentionable. Uh, as as uh, Mark points out, if you want to be fair, the only sense. I can think of in which that can be defined as actuarially fair, in which case the individual mandate for 26-year-old athletes is spectacularly low, yeah. because their expected cost is spectacularly low. The individual mandate is spectacularly low, the federal subsidies have to go up, There's, or the plan collapses. It, as, as pointed out, it's a house of cards, it's balanced on a, on a knife edge.
3: Our view of fairness in this regard uh, tends to be an outlier. Uh, if you look at Europe, uh, the sense that they all have, all those countries have universal sure. coverage, yeah. and those countries see it as a communal obligation. Right. Uh, in France, for instance, solidarity uh, is a core value, and they couldn't imagine not having everyone join in, pay taxes so that everyone could be covered. Right. Um, Kaiser Family Foundation tracks attitudes towards the government role in healthcare care here over time. And one of their questions is, Should it be the federal government's responsibility to make sure that everyone has access to health coverage? And those numbers uh, tend to be an even split over time, maybe Mm. 60-40 one way, then 60-40 the other. Right now, it's trending towards more people thinking it is the federal government's responsibility. And I think that was reflected in the results of the midterm elections. Something to follow is going to be how that trend continues over the next two years, uh, building up to the 2020 elections. Mark.
2: Well, I think um, the uh, the, in some ways uh, the problem, the reason the U.S. doesn't have a European system is because we passed on that possibility in 1919, and now that healthcare has become so much more costly, uh, that kind of social bargain is much harder to negotiate. So, uh, at least my calculations suggest movement to a system which. In which healthcare is all paid for by taxes based on income, even uh, something like the current tax system would, would essentially mean doubling the individual income tax rate for people who pay the individual income tax, which remember is much less than 100% of the US population, but it would still be a, a whopping increase, and in that. that Uh, both has adverse economic consequences beyond health care people hire more tax accountants and tax lawyers and change the way they invest Uh, but it also uh, it's also politically unpopular Uh, I I do think though that the structure the chassis of Obamacare is a reasonable one right Uh, and it's reasonable to debate but you have to debate both both blades of the scissors, how much more generous or less generous we want to make it for individual people in um, undesirable un, un circumstances like being low income or or having a chronic condition versus who's going to pay for it and how much tax are we willing to pay for that to happen. I. Remain an optimist that my fellow citizens will agree with me that we ought to pay more taxes to help out high-risk people, but I would assert it should be we who ought to pay those taxes, especially sure. wonderful professors and others, people who've been lucky in life, uh, and not uh, the poor schmo who happens to just be his well, only lucky break is he happens to be healthy, uh, and, and but stuck with buying individual insurance rather than getting insurance through a job, which is the current arrangement. So the current arrangement... Looks very uh, of of cross subsidies to help out high risks. Looks to me to be both inefficient and inequitable. There is an if if you can tell me what equity is, I can give you an equitable situation, and then I can
1: probably find some reasonably efficient taxes to cover it. Now the other part to this that I wanted to bring up is the fact as we start year 2019, Rob, we're also seeing the drug makers increasing prices again. Right. We saw a large round of, of price increases to start out 2018. We're seeing it again in 2019. So, again, going to this idea of affordability, seeing these higher prices is, you would think, is not going to lead to any kind of level playing field for the consumer who will need these, uh, these drugs as we go throughout the year.
3: Well, it's certainly not going to help. Uh, But most of these prices are paid by insurance companies. So the question is going to be what kind of deals can they negotiate? If they can negotiate good deals, it will insulate us poor premium payers. Uh, If they can't, then we'll see our premiums go up. And it seems like the increases in in premiums uh, have a very destabilizing effect, um, uh, particularly on people's attitudes towards change. The last couple of years, uh, we've seen these high-deductible plans, narrow networks, surprise medical bills, and um, I think that's had a lot to do with the increasing focus on health care. Rewind to the 1990s. In 92, when Clinton came in, there was rapid health care cost inflation, and one of the things he promised was to do something about the system. He didn't succeed, right. uh, but people were very interested uh, in, in that. So I think if things like the drug price increases uh, and the narrow networks and the surprise bills continue to be a problem and continue to grow, uh, we are going to have a groundswell uh, of public opinion in favor of something more than just tweaking, uh, doing something about this, uh, the system. And that is going to play into our politics. Mark? Well, I
2: think the president uh, is actually on the side of doing something about high drug prices too, and so uh, there are relatively few situations here, given the partisan nature of Washington where the stars and planets align but this is one where it might align in some direction of action if only they can figure out a way to do something that will do more good than harm uh, and uh, the, the dilemma is has all as we've talked about on this program before is as always if higher prices motivate investment by drug firms in R&D which develops new products some of them spectacularly wonderful and how much are we willing to to trade off um, cheap drugs at the moment for good drugs in the future. That's the the dilemma and I will absolutely certain to predict. There'll be a lot of hollering and screaming about this one way and another in the upcoming year. Uh, So uh, my wife tells me, you stop stop talking back to the TV. Dear, they can't hear you. But I'm telling her next year in 2019, I'm going to be doing it even more, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) But the other thing, from a personal point of view, though, Rob's right. What you ought to do if you're worried about high drug prices Uh, and some years they haven't increased very much actually some years they've gone down but this upcoming year seems to be kind of in the middle of the road not spectacular but more than the rate of inflation well what you ought to do is look at your insurance and you want to pick a plan that um, is is a good plan, and a good plan is one where they're g- the good at negotiating with drug companies, uh, and they don't respond to high drug prices by trying to cut your coverage in sneaky ways. A bad, a crummy plan is one where they're wimps when it comes to negotiation, uh, but mean and nasty when it comes to what they'll be willing to pay for or disqualify. So you you need to read the fine print. That's kind yeah. of the message here, uh, and and think twice about. Uh, uh which insurance plan to choose if you have an opportunity to choose and how it's going to address this question. And uh, we're going to see, I think uh, reasonably um, interesting at least, uh, competition between insurance companies in terms of how they deal with this with this hot grounder. Eric, I've got about a minute left.
0: Uh, there are so many uh, so many fine points to make, and I think that's that's great, but I want to come back to something Mark said to close. and that is if you tell me what fairness is, then we can proceed but we can't do the tweaking until we agree when my daughter was about eight one of her friends mothers died of cancer and julia wanted to know if the friend would eat i said yeah mom had insurance julia wanted to know what insurance was and then she wanted to know if the friend would be able to buy insurance and i said possibly not and julia said that's not fair i said or she could pay a lot more and she said that's not fair Or I said, well, we could all pay a little bit more. And she said, that's not fair. I said, well, then none of us will pay more, and the insurance companies won't. won't, They'll go broke, and nobody will get anything. And she said, well, that's not only unfair. That's stupid. And then she said to me, what's the right answer? And I said, no one knows. And she said, you have to know. You're an economist. (laughs) And I said, that's not an economist question. That's a voter question, and we can't agree.
1: Great having you all here today. Happy New Year to you all. Thanks Thanks. for coming in. Mark Pauly, joining me in studio, along with Rob Field and Eric Clemens. Many thanks to all of them uh, talking about the Affordable Care Act.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.